1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
2: Hello. You are listening to an extra special bonus episode of Nerd Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Segel. Peter, you just couldn't stay
3: away. I couldn't stay away. This is the equivalent... Of like when you go to a concert and everybody leaves the stage and musicians and everybody claps and they come on to do the encore that you know they planned. And you're like, come on, because, <laughs> you know, we weren't just going to go away. We had to come back and talk more. You couldn't stop us. We don't care if you wanted this too.
2: So this presupposes that there's, like, an, a group of people applauding
4: us somewhere? Yes,
3: we are imagine It's the beauty of radio. We can't see or hear you. So we imagine that you're very enthusiastic about us.
4: Yeah, and we're pretty sure that you wanted us to play our greatest hits, yeah. but we don't really know what those are, so instead we'll just talk more about yes. Game of Thrones. Yes,
3: that really big hit from the first album we've been playing for years. So what happened was, if you listened to the amended podcast, we had a technical difficulty in what we lost some of the conversation that we had uh, that covered a, a fairly big chunk of the final episode. So we're going to try to recreate the things that we said and the opinions and the conclusions. And then I think, uh, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll, all the three of us will sort of sum up our opinions of this season. And it kind of occurs to me, why would you care what you think of
1: <laughs> what we think of the season? But you've been listening the whole then time. Then again, right, exactly. Yeah, you Here care you deeply. <laughs> and this is are. a problem
3: we all share. You're so.
4: welcome, world. And, and we will have coming up, the section of our live event from Cards Against Humanity HQ where we recorded most of our feelings (laughs) about the final episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, We took some listener questions and had some conversations with listeners, and we just for time didn't fit that into the previous episode, so you will hear the listener questions from that event in this episode as well.
2: Extra bonus Encore Edition. There you go.
4: So when we left off,
2: when the recording stopped Mm -hmm. in the middle of our Cards Against Humanity event, we were talking about Sansa Stark. I had just complained that she dropped that Northern shiv instead of holding on to it. And what
3: what we found, because we finally had a close shot of it, it's a corkscrew. Yeah. Which was odd. And you're like, oh, they had corkscrews in medieval times. Oh.
4: Well, they had ale. Yeah, they had corks. They had corks. So you got to corks. You have to have somebody first. to get the
3: cork out. So. I mean, she like, did this,
2: you know, a euphemism.
4: <laughs> she did MacGyver her way out of her room. That's what she right. used it for. She was did to get free from her locked room because they had established, well established that in the show that she was locked in this room, and Theon was the only one. Theon and Ramsay were the only ones allowed in or out. Oh, right.
3: And and we we all sort of looked at the dropped corkscrew and that close shot of the corkscrew on the floor as a metaphor for the Sansa problem, which is that. We have been saying this entire season, when is Sansa going to do something? When is Sansa going to do something? Imagining that she would take some very brave step, like nothing she's ever done before, to kill Ramsay, to escape, to turn the tables. And all she did was open her door and then drop the corkscrew as if they're saying to us right then with that shot, don't expect her to kill anybody or hurt anybody. That's not what she's going to do, which some of us, I think, initially found disappointing.
4: Because she did. She gave up her weapon, and then she runs to the tower and lights the brightest candle of all time. <laughs> yes. Which was really annoying to watch. I forgot
2: about how annoyed you were I about was so, mad. so annoyed with the candle? She made me rewind it and look so that at how she could point out how bright, and bright, the, bright
4: candle the candle was. <laughs> <laughs> and Because it was also the Podrick, it was the interplay between that and then cut to Podrick and Brienne, where Brienne's staring at the tower, and if she had just not turned away... Five seconds, you know, if she had turned away, five seconds later, she would have seen the candle and rushed to Sansa's rescue. Right. It was just a little hacky to me in the way that the broad daylight Dorn fighting was hacky, to have this sort of oh they just missed each other in this giant world of complicated things to have mm-hmm. those sort of trite coincidental.
3: Now that you mention it, it might have been a more interesting choice if Brienne saw the candle was like, ha ha, now I will go to Sansa, and then just then. Pob would run up and say, "Oh, Stannis is coming."
4: Yeah, for the person who you hate and wants to take your, and she would have had to make
3: a choice. Yeah, but against the person she profoundly hates, who killed the person she knew and loved, versus loyalty to someone she hardly knows, who has received her loyalty like second or third hand because (laughs) her mother and then her other daughter and (laughs) then her – yeah, so on and so forth. But such as it is, I. Had this interesting experience at Cards Against Humanity night where my opinion changed right in front of everybody.
2: Wow, how did that feel for you? It was very
3: strange. Was that
2: confusing?
3: It was a little confusing. But what I decided was that instead of realizing that I had been wrong, I just decided I was getting writer.
4: The wisdom of the ages, the body of a short, bold game show host.
3: I was expecting you to bring those along. I should have known.
4: We go nowhere without them now, Peter. I, you can,
3: them, you can, can you, you, you know.
4: Can, We're going to make my, an app version. My so friend has one of those little life.
3: novelty key fobs where you press a button and Mr. T yeah, says things. Exactly. You can get one of those. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. this is what I initially said: was that I had spent the entire season wanting Sansa to. Do something. Well,
4: I mean, we all did. We all did.
3: Everybody did. I'm sure of many, many viewers and many listeners to this podcast. Come on, Sansa, do something. And what I realized when she didn't do anything really except escape from her room and try to light a candle, I realized that that expectation of mine had been trained into me by a lifetime of watching, well, basically bullshit in yeah. TV <laughs> and movies as evidenced. By, let's say, the crappy movie out now, Jurassic World, which I have just lear- I've just the more I think about it, the more I hate it, which is predicated on what they call a character arc in Hollywood writing rooms, mm. where you have a character, in this case, uh, Jurassic World, Bryce Dallas Howard, who starts one way, ends in a completely different way, this useless, scared, um, timid woman who you know, runs around in high heels, ends up being a total badass, shooting dinosaurs with guns, which, what, how does she know how to shoot a gun? Um, and you buy that because that's Hollywood. People transform. In real life, people don't transform. And while Game of Thrones is not real life, I should point out that I recognize that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is really nice to hear you say it that, It is, actually.
3: however, a, a, a work of dramatic art and narrative art, which from the very beginning, when George R. R. Martin sat down to write these books, wants to take on the cliches and tropes of... What we all understand is standard narrative storytelling, including the classic one like the guy you think is the good guy will, will win in the end. No. And I don't think that kind of transformation would have been true to the version of real life that Game of Thrones shows. So I was like, yeah, the fact that she didn't change is actually the only Game of Thrones solution. And then somebody got up. I don't know if we'll play it. Will we play it?
2: Yeah, yeah. As part of the listener questions, we will hear this mentioned Jamie, right?
3: Well, yeah. No, somebody will mention Jamie. And we talked about Jamie's transformation, which I didn't think was a real transformation. That was just a change of perspective on him. Although there is some aspect of change to Jamie. But then somebody came up and and questioned. Well, I'll just preview it. Somebody questioned my... Determination that Sansa hadn't changed, hadn't really transformed, oh, and right. couldn't have. It's and I and like I agree that that was correct. That in that given, just to summarize it, that given the, the actual things that she could conceivably do without changing into a totally different character, without becoming her badass sister, she actually did gather her courage and take action.
4: And that she had been taking action in manipulating Theon. Right. Her one—so she had a corkscrew and she had Theon. These are the two things she had access to. <laughs> yeah. She used one to unlock the door, and she used the other— to over multiple episodes of those interactions. It yeah. was really tense, great. Sophie Turner, Alfie Allen did great yeah. work together this season in these sort of, you know, you're not reek, you're Theon scenes where she's trying to pull him out of his, you know, shell of of what he's become back into being someone that she grew up with and that she knew. You know, she, she doesn't know. I don't know if she really knows what happens when she lights the candle. But I think she has decided that if she can convince Theon to help her, that that is her way out. Right. And so she's been working him back into becoming a human for episode upon episode, and that worked well for her. Yeah, a lot of people
3: people reacted to the moment where Theon throws What's-Her-Name over the wall and says, oh, it all turned out to be about Theon. Well, no, as you point out, in a way, Sansa is responsible for Theon's change, certainly as much as Theon is.
4: Absolutely. Well, and I think too. And by Miranda, no love lost. Yeah, she was kind of. I had just I was found out her. who she
3: was and realized I kind of liked her, and she'd been there for a while, and now she's dead. <laughs> Damn it!
4: <laughs> That's Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was. <laughs>
4: Once you learn their names, they're about to die. <sighs> <Cool. laughs> I was really disappointed
2: with multiple aspects of this. I guess I'll get over the fact that Sansa didn't take more agency and be happy with as much as she did, but I still am really disappointed that Ramsay will be continuing into the sixth season, which I feel like you're not super surprised about. No,
3: I I think that Ramsay, I mean, there's one thing also that I needed to say that I cannot think of another adaptation of anything, which starts from the premise of loyalty to the source material as strongly as Game of Thrones. Hmm. There was a – remember I was making fun of the little, you know, inside the episode featurette you get on HBO? Yeah. I watched the one for the last episode, actually the prior one, with the, ended in the pit. And David Benioff tells a story of how when A Dance with Dragons comes out, he read that scene, the fighting pit scene, calls up George R. R. Martin, says, George, that's a great scene. I don't know how I'm going to film that. And what's interesting is that there's no questioning of, am I going to film that? Are right. Are we going to include that? It's no. It's like, how do we – It's in yep. the book. It's got to go in the show. And so one of the reasons I expected Ramsey to live is Ramsey doesn't get killed in the books yeah. yet. Yeah. And, I, and I think that these guys believe that there's some essential magic in George R. R. Martin's books that they may or may not understand, but they cannot mess with. So if George R. R. Martin calls, for whatever reason, for an enormous fighting scene in the slave pits that's interrupted when a dragon arrives, that's what they're going to film.
2: And I absolutely respect that. I guess I just wish... That there had been some sense of relief in some storyline in this finale, and there just wasn't.
3: Well, that gets us to the larger question. I don't know if you're ready to go there. We've, we've sort of filled in. Is there anything that we missed
2: Oh, I yes, there is something the, that we the, from missed the, from talking about. The missing about. 17
3: minutes of the tapes. Oh,
2: God, was it 17 minutes? I, that's a
3: historical difference. Did reference. it really
2: take Joe 17 minutes to change out the memory? No, that is
3: that so is a historical teeny. reference that I'm I realized kidding. that you two are too young to understand, the missing 17 minutes?
2: Oh yeah, no, what is that? From the mean? Nixon
3: Well, oh. the Nixon tapes, there was a missing uh, yeah. 17 minutes that everybody believes was actually a key evidence in the conspiracy that the Nixon people explained was accidentally erased by Nixon's secretary Rosemary Woods, and it was
4: oops-a-daisy. oops, Daisy.
3: Oops, yeah, basically oops, Daisy. That's yeah. funny
2: because Joe told us that we should say, "Well, stuff got screwed up in the taping. Perhaps Joe had a little too much ale, and there was much like the Watergate tapes, a missing."
3: There you go, Joe, Joe. Got it. Joe DeSoto. Joe gets the reference. Okay. So anyway, Joe but gets there was it. something that you Joe's old. Joe's old, almost <laughs> as old as I am.
2: <laughs> no, and what I bald. <laughs> <carrying> on. <laughs> what I was going to say is that I think we should discuss whether or not we think Sansa and Theon. Are alive because there has been some question of that. But I think for the three of us, we are in agreement that there is yeah. actually no question. And obviously, they will magically survive this fall somehow.
3: Right. Because as I think we said and did get recorded, the idea of season six, episode <laughs> one. Ramsey and everybody looking at the broken bodies uh, of yeah. Sansa and Theon going, "Why did they do that?" And that's the end of them. Seems pretty cheesy. <laughs> I
2: still am totally behind the notion of Brienne managing to hustle over in time to image. catch <laughs> Sansa.
3: Slow I think motion. that would she be
2: leaps perfect. out yelling, "No!" Yeah, yeah. I that's what I want to yeah,
3: see, that'd be frankly. Cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so should we talk about our our feelings?
3: Our feels? As
2: a whole our Oh!
3: That's not mine. Oh, Peter, Your feels. Your feels.
1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
2: They made progress over these these last 10 weeks, I've really
3: gotten in touch with my feminine side.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, season as a whole, what do you think? How do you feel?
3: Well, again, I start from the position that these guys challenge because of their almost religious loyalty to the books was not how do we make a great season of television per se as how do we get through this material? And if you look at the problem of how do we take these two books that we've discussed are very filler heavy. There's a lot of stuff in it that's just not that interesting. <laughs> a lot of new characters that they couldn't afford or want to film, a lot of tangents.
4: Well, and not just not afford to film, but new characters in television, we get attached to the face of the actor. Right. And the emotion of the actor that they're bringing to something. Yeah. So like you said, it didn't make any sense for Jamie to go to Doran with someone that wasn't Bronn. We want more Bronn. We exactly. don't want a new yeah. guy.
3: And in, that, in the books, as a very good example, that whole expedition happens more or less with the same result, except that uh, it's a completely new character.
4: Yeah, we don't want who new Who goes people.
3: down to Dorne. More yeah. Bronn. Right. More
4: Bronn. <laughs> but the
3: problem was they had to get, and their decision was, for the purposes of this season, cut it down to its essence, its essential storylines, and get us to the same place. So the problems with it are the problems with the fourth and fifth books. Somebody else writing said it's a second act problem. Yeah. Which, that as we all know, right. it's easy to set up a story. That's the first act. It's easy to imagine how it concludes. That's the third act. But the middle is where you really have to do the work. What are the obstacles? How do you keep things moving along while we'll still making it get interesting? And things got a little bogged down. We ended up the season not really that far away from where we started it, right? You know, if you think about the transitions of the characters,
2: hmm,
3: I mean, they're fairly significant in the case of Jon Snow. Yeah, He went from alive to, for the moment, Dead. He's not dead. Oh, uh, yeah. The but, eye
4: color change theory on the internet has been cracking me up for the what's last that few days. That? that if you rewatch the episode and look really closely at the very last second, his eyes change color to Targaryen color. Oh, cute. And if you rewatch it over and over and over yeah. again, you'll see it like but I backwards. did, yes. what the internet says you and should do. Yeah. And
3: if, if you play, if you play <laughs> Iron Maiden's second reference. album uh-huh. backwards... Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no. I guess I guess it was. And let me put it this way. We watched the whole thing. We found lots of stuff to talk about. Was it as good as uh, the last two seasons, which basically encompassed the book um, A Storm of Swords, the best of, I think, the three first books? No. But the source material wasn't as good. Given the source material, I think they did a very good job. I think the actors remained excellent throughout. There's still not a bad moment of acting. With, of course, the exception of,
4: of the accent of Peter. Well, Dingled. there's the accent. I was the accent of Peter Dinklage,
3: but I really, I, I think the sand snakes were hilariously bad.
4: Oh my oh, god. Yeah,
3: I am sorry. That was but when pretty. You're, when you're cast yeah. for the shape of your breasts, I think that's what you're going to get. Ouch! Uh, no, it's jingle. true. Jingle! Oh yeah, hold on. You're all right. Play the jingle, but then come back and disagree with me.
1: The patriarchy speaking, so ladies be quiet. Peter Single is the worst.
3: Was I wrong? You're just sad that no one will cast you for the shape of your breasts. That's absolutely true. Actually, I imagine because as we were saying before, we can't see or hear the audience. I'm imagining some of them are checking me out right now. (laughs) Hey, my eyes are up here.
4: (laughs) The Sand Snakes were dumb, but I will say that I think they were incredibly poorly written and that those may be actresses with great talent who were poorly used. That's nice. You're a very generous and
3: kind person.
2: She is both generous and kind. So, Trisha, having not read the books. But so, a lot of the internet. But a lot of the internet. Yeah, I feel like you're more familiar with what <laughs> happens in the books than I am merely because you're good at the internet. How did you feel? What do you think?
4: I think it's interesting that we're talking about the end of this season as the problems with the show, we're saying, are still based on their loyalty to the source material. But it feels like most of what we talked about for the whole first half of the season is oh, man, they're leaving the books behind. Oh, look at where they're going. Mance is you know dead instead of alive, and this is happening, and where's Lady Stoneheart? All these things that happen in the books that we've all been wondering when they're going to happen and what's going to happen next. Now we're deciding to give them a pass again on making episodic television because... No, I'm giving them a pass. Yeah. I don't know if you guys I don't know are. if I am. <laughs> I really think that if they're going to pick and choose that they can't use both excuses. They can either make really great episodic television, which is actually sort of a misnomer because HBO doesn't really make episodic television anyway. They make the kind of stories they want to make. They don't do season cliffhangers the same way as everybody else. They don't do the same length of seasons as everybody else. They have a different set of rules.
3: I'm, you know, I'm not sure that's true. That's a larger conversation because the things that HBO has been doing with things like The Sopranos, say, which was like the first great modern television series, let's say, certainly HBO's first great television series, mm-hmm. has really migrated to other. I mean, you know, is there yeah. that much of a difference between you know what HBO was doing and what AMC did with Breaking Bad or Mad Men or even what the networks are doing? So I don't know if that rule is true. Also, I mean, I've been watching just because I started watching it when um, Steve Buscemi was on Wait, Wait. I've been watching Boardwalk Empire, Mm, which is a very good show. It's very good. And it is much more traditional episodic TV. There is a story arc. But every episode has, has its structure, has rising action, has a conclusion. An A and a B. An yeah. A, yeah, exactly. That, yeah. It's, and, and, it's like, and it's almost like after watching Game of Thrones so obsessively with you guys, it's almost comfortable. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this episode sets up the question. It's going to get resolved right before the end. In the meantime, other plots are going to be moved along as they need to be. As you say, there's an A plot. There's a B plot. We're going to check in with some minor characters, move everybody along. It's episodic TV.
4: Yeah. The other parallel I think about is Sherlock, and we have Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss as these big uh, Doyle fanboys creating Sherlock, putting it in the 21st century. So obviously some things are changing, but the way that they handle that source material with a level of detail, attention to detail, that fans of the original books seem to, on the whole, enjoy very much, but then knowing that the story's going to go where they want the story to go, I still feel like that's more the camp that these guys are in, because they are leaving out giant sets of things. Maybe not the things that were most important to you guys in the books, But they're not including whole swaths of things. Like you said, whole characters gone. People alive who should be dead. People dead who should be alive. So they're just doing this in the way that probably means that they know the end game. They've had that conversation. And that's the thing they have to keep true.
3: That's the point in a weird way. That's what has – I mean because I was the person saying this isn't like the books. In the books, this is totally different. I know what's going to happen. And what was interesting to me at the end of the season, it was like, oh, in the end – they were being very loyal. They, they, they. When they sat down to plan out this season, they said to themselves, maybe even in these words, "Okay, we've got to get to Cersei's walk. That's going to be a climax. We've got to get to the fighting pits and uh, the dragon taking Danny away. That's going to be a climax. We're going to get to Theon and the character we'll call Ramsay's wife. Different in the book, Sansa in the TV show. They're going to be jumping off the wall just like they do in the book. We're going to get to Jon Snow being stabbed by the Nights Watch. All right, guys, we've got ten hours of TV." How do we you know, get this there? much money? Yeah. Get me there. Yeah. And it's almost as if every decision they made that some of which we interpreted as, oh, wow, they're changing. They're, they're like they killed off Mance, you know. Well, they killed off Mance because they, Mance plays a role in the plot at Winterfell. They weren't going to bother with that. It would have been too complicated. Let's just kill off Mance. We don't have to worry about where he is. Great. So yeah. it turns out that what I, I'll just speak for myself, had interpreted as a, as a loss of loyalty to the source material was all in service of the same loyalty they've had all along. And I, I see that now.
4: And I'm that persuaded. way, too,
3: I have become writer.
4: I'm persuaded. Aww. Uh,
3: every Greta? day, in every way, I am more and more correct.
1: Nobody cares, but it never really stops him. Is Peter still fucking talking.
3: That one always struck me as a little mean.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that one? I'll That's have have the one they yes, gets I should, you? I
3: want to give them more credit. Oh, yeah, Those are all it. by my friends Paul and Storm, um, who are just awesome and funny, and you should seek out for their uh, nerdy activities in all arenas.
4: Greta? <laughs> Your feelings about the season as a whole. You hate
2: Dorne. I hate Dorne. As you guys know, I think I have always wished that Game of Thrones were a little more episodically delicious. And it's been funny, you know, since we've finished with Game of Thrones, I've finally been catching up on Orphan Black. And I got to say, man, those episodes are exquisite. Yeah. And even the way they interact with each other and you'll have a really heavy one where, you know... Dude drops the grenade, and it's all really intense. And then the next time around, you're in one of those farcical, like, too many cooks in the kitchen, and the timing is wrong with everything, and everything's going wrong. And it's hilarious. Yeah, And it's such a relief to encounter that after a show like Game of Thrones, especially with that finale, which I just feel, like, I feel beaten up by it. I mean, you know, you mentioned all these different climaxes with Cersei, with Jon Snow, with Sansa, with Danny. They were either... Completely anticlimactic, like Danny on that frickin' dragon, I just, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> or they were super sad yeah. and really intense and horrible.
4: I think the only moments of levity in the whole episode were uh, John and Sam having that sort of smirky teenage boy moment about Sam losing his virginity. Yeah. yeah. And then, I'm glad the end of the world's working out for someone. Yep. That was a nice moment. And then the only other was Varys popping out of nowhere and going, hello, hello. friend. Hello hello. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's just so intense. It it's is pretty intense. So and you're intense.
3: right. It doesn't, I mean, look at Breaking Bad. Uh, have we all seen Breaking Bad? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Breaking Bad in the penultimate episodes.
4: Spoiler but, alert for Breaking Bad. Oh yes. If you
3: haven't seen Breaking Bad, A, what's oh, wrong wait. with you? <laughs> yeah. B, turn off the podcast yeah, the next four Yeah,
4: just go watch Breaking Bad.
3: We get to the end of Breaking Bad and uh, the last three, the, the penultimate, say three episodes were among the most horrific, difficult things I've ever seen. Movie, TV, I mean, I just was poleaxed by how awful and brutal those episodes were. But the last episode offered redemption, i.e. the central character does something to redeem himself. He is duly punished for all he has done. The truly, you know, Ultimate bad guys, the final boss level bad guys are killed, or truly vengeance is laid upon them. Our friend Todd from Friday Night Lights yes. gets his,
2: oh.
3: um, and 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 so you're left when you're done with Breaking Bad with a sense you've been through a ringer emotionally. You've been you've watched an amazing work of art that totally had a lot of like effect on you, but you're like, yeah, it's done. I can feel good. I can feel like everything justice was done. Uh, possibilities were restored. Um, and we can move on with our lives. And Game of Thrones, certainly this season, maybe not ever.
2: I think even in season four, a lot of really horrible things happened in episode nine, and episode ten was setting up what was going to happen in season five. And I feel like so, in so general, that's what you find so in a season, lot of season. Season arcs,
3: nine was the battle. The episode nine was battle. Was at the, the wall, battle?
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: Uh, in which a lot of people we love got killed. Yes. But season episode ten was Tyrion killing his father. Right. Yeah. And, and then escaping. And escaping. Yeah. Are you on a and boat? Are you getting on a boat? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, in general, that's normally how you see seasons play out these days, I think, is the second to last episode is the really intense one where all of the horrible things actually happen. Right. And then the next one is the setup for the following season. And right. then you end up, you know, you have some sense of closure as you're waiting for a year for the next thing to happen. It
3: would have been... I agree with you. And this is a really interesting thing to talk about that issue of loyalty Again, Let's say the last shot of episode 10, uh, rather than Jon Snow bleeding into the snow, let's say that they cut from there to the woods outside Winterfell where we're battered and bruised but not broken. Theon and Sansa are heading into the woods right. together, still hand some in hand. some
2: hope of something, right? you know?
3: And that would have been, as you say, that would have changed everything. You're like, okay, they've escaped. I don't know if they're going to make it, but thank you for giving me
2: right. that. Right, at least there's something to actually be able to anticipate that's not
3: horrible. And, and my best guess is, first of all, these writers and creators are as smart as we are, a lot smarter. They're very wealthy television creators. We're just guys <laughs> sitting around in a studio. But I think they couldn't do it because Georgia R. R. Martin hasn't done that yet. That is really it. I think that they could not go farther than the books this season. I think next season they're going to have to because the book's not going to come out.
2: Right. I mean, that raises the whole next question of, you know, you say how good they've been so far at being loyal to the books. What happens to the show when they don't have and, you know, obviously they've spoken enough with Martin to know, you know, the skeleton framework of what's going to happen. But you know they they don't have books; they have to be allegiant to uh, another
3: little thing that popped up discussing the last episode and the 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 killing of Shireen. I believe one of the creators talked to George related a conversation with George R. R. Martin, indicating that that's what George R. R. Martin was going to do. That hasn't happened in the books, but apparently George R. 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 Martin intends for it to happen. So therefore, they felt they could show it. This season, rather than wait. Well, hasn't
4: Tyrion not gotten to Danny yet in the books?
3: Uh, He has, but it's it's complicated. He has arrived in the (laughs) books. He's arrived in Marine. He was at the fighting pits when Danny was there, but they actually haven't met. Right. Hmm. And obviously, I think the writers made the very strong choice of we should have them meet. People have been waiting for this.
4: And now Tyrion's in charge of Marine. Yes. With Ferris,
3: which is also annoying.
2: But You're we'll so see. Annoying. We'll see. I am I am annoyed. But I'll keep I'll keep recapping with you guys next
3: season. Yeah. We're doing this, right? Oh, absolutely. We'll be You'll back. You'll have to either behead me, throw me off a wall, kill me with a <laughs> white walker. Stab you a bunch just, of times. Valerian
4: entire... steel is yes. the only thing. Only that thing. Can kill you <laughs> dead <laughs> enough we'll to keep not come you back. From coming.
2: That's pretty <laughs> perfect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So we also wanted to take some audience questions. These are from the event that we had live at Cards Against Humanity earlier this week. So here are some questions from the audience.
1: My question is, um, looking over from the first season to now and looking at Jamie Lannister's change, Ooh, yeah. looking at how he started as the Kingslayer, as someone that we hated to his whole time with Brienne. To travel, to losing his arm, to his time with Braun, to going to get his his daughter, yeah. to finally confessing to his daughter, and then having his daughter tragically die in his arms. Yeah, um, I just wanted you guys to talk a little bit about that. I think it's an amazing transformation that that character has gone through. The yeah, five it really years. is.
4: He's one of my favorite characters in the show. I think in part because of that. Like you said, there's there's redemption there. I always felt like like Cersei was sort of. The evil one in Jamie was a little bit the dumber one <laughs> of that weird twisted I mean, relationship. He's the pretty one. <laughs> but I think that his relationship with Bronn has been fun to watch and has made that character much more meaningful to me. I, I, although I did make fun of every time we had to watch the two of them just doing nothing but getting on their way to Dorn, I think that uh, we can. Expect more from him going forward Again not being a book reader But are we at the end of his storyline in the books as well We're basically just about everything, right? For just about everybody Jamie's, Jamie's
3: storyline in the last book is, is, or books is, is much much different But when last we see him When last we see him he's actually running off With Brienne somewhere And we don't really know where Is that not right? I'm getting a, sh- a head shake
1: Well there's rumors that he's doing that The last perspective we see of him he's, he's, I think he's at a siege Yeah, yeah but, then that, Brienne, but then Brienne
3: runs up and he leaves with Brianna and we There's don't There's rumors. Yeah, of oh, rumors. Rumors. Rumors.
4: rumors. Only a rumor. Only a rumor. Anyway, moving on. But we do but yeah, love Jamie. Yeah,
2: I think he is, his transformation has been really great. I mean, I think his transformation sort of defies what you're talking about with, you know, the fact that in well, general people, you know, like he has be. we have seen his flaws, and he has really grown as a result of his shortcomings, the, I think.
3: Well, that's an interesting thing. The, the, one of the amazing tricks that Jar Jar Martin... It's almost like he's showing off. It
2: kind of sounded like you said Jar Jar Martin. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Sorry, Misa was so prolific. Misa should stop tweeting and finish yeah, my I books. I know.
3: Jar Jar, <laughs> Jar Jar Martin. One of his amazing narrative tricks that he's almost like showing off how good he is is that you read the first book and you hate Jamie, much like in the first season you hated him. And then the second and third seasons of the TV show, the second book you start literally hearing things from his perspective meaning he becomes a POV character and you find out from his own perspective he's not that bad. He had reasons for doing the things that he did and reasons and and, and how the reason he presents himself to the world the way he does as basically uh, a callous killer is because he, he's the, a weird
4: broken guy who's only a, ever slept with his sister.
3: Right, exactly. And he doesn't, frankly, he doesn't know how to deal with people other than by killing them because that's all he's ever been able to do in his own strange relationship with his father, blah, blah, blah. And I really give the uh, TV showmakers and the actor playing him, Nicolas Costarwaldo, uh, credit for saying, we're going to put that on screen and make people fall along, and they really did it, as the comment mentioned. Uh, but I don't know, is it really true that he has been that transformed as a person by his actions? Certainly his feelings for Brienne, but I don't know. I mean, I certainly, our feelings about him have changed. Whether he has yeah, changed, I don't know. Yeah, that's
2: fair. He has been humanized. I think the whole the gold hand thing, though, helps. I yeah. mean, he's, he's weaker than he's ever been. Yeah, and that, and, I, and I, think I think is... And I think that makes him more relatable.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know why I saw this, but I saw a clip, uh, for some reason... I recently rewatched some random thing on the internet which had the scene of that character Locke. Isn't, by the way, the actor who plays Locke the same guy who was in Shine many, many years ago? Anyway. He, um, Someone with your smarty phone. Of, of him Find chopping out. off Jamie's hand and, and the look of horror on Nicholas Costalwaldo's face as Jamie is so intense. And you realize that, Jesus Christ, my hand just got cut off. My right hand. You know the most feared killer in the kingdoms
2: this is why lefties win
3: true, but really well they would have cut off his left hand then But it's it's yeah that that wounding of him, you know forced him to change in ways that I think made him more appealing to us
1: Next question good, sir So like you Peter I'm a huge fan of Stannis or at least sympathetic to him, but it's mostly because my favorite character is Davos Oh, he's the best. He, is the best We have discussed yeah, well, You totally see all of Stannis' stuff from Davos Everything that happens in the books is from Davos' perspective yeah,
3: you, you never, There's never any Stannis perspective Thanks for coming
1: Right, so What, is, what does Davos do now? That is a really who, good
2: question who, How many people care? I just need a
3: Davos,
4: oh, really? Davos
3: is the best
1: Davos is the best
3: Davos is the best And
4: in fact, <laughs> No need to his, chant Davos is the best And in fact
3: <laughs> and This is true in both the TV show and the book that one of the reasons you're even sympathetic to Stannis in the first place is because Davos is so loyal to him, yes. and you're like, if that guy who you grow to love and because he's so crusty and fun is uh, is loyal to this guy, then he must be worth something. And it has to do with Davos's code, and it has to do with Davos's sense of I don't know. I guess his loyalty, but still, it's like, yeah, what is he going to do? I don't know if Stannis is really dead. You know, Davos is at the wall. His sons are all dead.
4: He's going to ally with
2: resurrected Jon Snow
4: <laughs> doesn't he have to go get Rickon at some point right but like there's there are oh, there's man. like a Stark child just like off in the wilderness so Somewhere. like Davos having to care for like a bratty Rickon will probably be fun I think yeah. That'll, yeah, that'll be fun be Cute. Actually.
3: Rickon will be shaving by the time we find him again <laughs>
4: <laughs> and where is what's his face in that boat yeah since season three the Lepo. Bastard of Baratheon. Gendry. He's oh, in a boat since season three. Just Gendry. rowing somewhere. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> not He's not just worried. out there. He's fine. Anyway, next question. <laughs> so I have
5: a question and a recommendation. Sure. Good. Recommendation hey. first. Bartimaeus trilogy. Yay! Hey. <laughs> um, They're in
3: my the, like, kid's bedroom. I mean, in their library, in their bedroom. Yeah, they it's another self, young
5: adult I've, trilogy, yeah, but it has that. a genie and magic, and but some of the forces of good and evil, and you're not necessarily sure which characters are good and which characters are set up as evil. Also a very strong girl character. Those are so important. Yeah. Um, Uh. Yeah, I know. Reader of Judy Bloom. Come
4: on. (laughs) Oh, you just got um, schooled.
5: Question, mainly for Peter because he reads the books. Would you want the book to come out after the show? I have really wondered that. Or um, do you want to be surprised by the show? Do you feel a little sad? I was discussing this with a coworker, and I have a little sadness that I can't be surprised. Well,
3: I'm sorry, that you can't be surprised by Well,
5: what? you have like a, a sort of you a foreknowledge. You have so far had a sadness. A foreknowledge of what might happen in the show. Yeah, I
2: mean, I think Peter likes
5: that he knows everything. Well, I know. I, <laughs> I, I know. So maybe he wants to read the book. No,
3: I've I really thought about it. And, and to, to, I guess the real question is, what do you want spoiled? Because one way, one way or another, something's going to spoil. If the book comes out first, the TV show is spoiled, vice versa. And and my real worry is, particularly because of the way, because I, I, as I've said over and over again, I think. George R. R. Martin is an amazing writer and, and reading his books, I felt like a 15 year old kid again reading you know walking around, walking into walls in my paperback I wouldn't stop reading, which was so much fun. <laughs> the latter books got really bogged down and I honestly I know many people who couldn't get through them because they were yeah, I so the fifth one. so overwritten and unedited. And I don't know actually if I could get through another one of his books if I didn't need to know what happened next. Interesting. And that makes me sad to contemplate. So, in a weird way, I guess I'd like the book to come out first so I can read the book and but it enjoy it. There's no way. There's no way. So, I imagine, yeah, unless there's. I haven't heard any plan to publish a book before next no, April. No, uh, no, it's no. not going to happen. There so are enough I'd...
4: differences now, though, that I mean, I think that the series has to end the same way, but the stuff that happens along the way, like things that happen this season, Mance is alive in the books, right, and he's dead in the show. There are all kinds of things that could still be surprising in one versus the other but things like what happens to Danny what happens to Jon Snow
3: what happens to Tyrion those are all to Tyrion, much those better. are
4: the things that probably have to stay the same between the two but it'll be fun to see how, how different they get I think
3: I actually can't think of anything else that has been so consistently loyal to uh, a literary source it's almost as if they it's almost mm-hmm. as if they don't dare really to, to, yeah,
2: I mean, something marry. we've talked a lot about before on the recaps, which I find really exciting, is the idea that now the showrunners can actually write a story that is really good for TV, as opposed to being burdened by all these different storylines that happen in the books. Well,
3: they've been very good about trimming it, as we've talked about, but mm-hmm. they've kept to the main line, and I, it's hard for me to imagine that they would ever vary. It's hard for me, for example, if George R. R. Martin told them, he says, well, you know, picking a, a popular theory... Uh, that John and, and Ooh, Danny,
4: careful, ca- careful.
3: I'm just a really? little worried about spoilers. Really, it's yeah. not a spoiler
4: if it's speculation. There's a lot of speculation okay. that
3: the book will end with John and Danny hooking up in more ways than one, and, and okay. winning the Iron Throne and fighting off the White Walkers. Well, let's say that's what George R. R. Martin said to them, and they say, "Well, yeah, it's kind of expected. We're going to go a very different way, and it's going to be Bran or whatever." I don't think they would have the guts to do that. In a weird way. I think they're so invested in bringing these books to life. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I... Yeah, I think you're right. right. One more?
3: Begrudgingly.
1: Grudgingly. So I actually have a a submission uh, jingle?
4: No, no. (laughs) No, we don't, Peter.
1: No, No, go away. Sorry. So, uh,
2: you
0: know,
1: I I actually have a question and a comment. You know, I, I thought that Sansa really did have a lot of growth over... The the series, to be honest, she was so foolish and naive before. And I sort of liked her weatheredness. And although she wasn't able to escape per se, but I think even like wanting to escape or trying to escape, there was a bit of like, I don't know, I I, I liked her being much more weathered and sharp, you know. Yeah, I I thought about that, even though as I was making my sweeping statement,
3: (laughs) she didn't really change. It is true that she tried to escape and she did climb to the tower. And light the candle. The brightest
4: candle of all time. Yeah. And, 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 and it is true.
3: I mean, I, It I was really bothering me. I, I guess what you're saying is I think you're right. That I think we, if, if you look on a more realistic you know, she's not going to turn into Arya all of a sudden and show up, right. you know, and say, ha ha, here I am with my sword. Given the terror in which she lives in and the terror that Ramsay very reasonably inspires the fact that she's willing to try to get up to that tower and light a candle and then try to escape Is about as brave as
1: you could possibly expect anybody to be in those circumstances. So yeah, maybe we should give her more credit. Yeah, in sort of a realistic way, right? Like I think that makes sense. As you were saying that, like, I mean, and I don't know if I believe this that if someone has gone through tragedy, that they don't make a great shift. But but in some ways, that like I feel like she's made like a realistic shift. You know? Yeah. No, and I think Um, that's
3: that's probably a very good point, and, and probably a really good way to describe what happens to her that she does change, but it's the kind of change that is more realistic than you usually see in movies.
2: So we can play the submission jingle right there, too. All right.
4: She also realized early... (laughs) (laughs) I I also agree with you that over the course of the season, the one thing that she did learn to use as a tool to her advantage was Theon. So she, she learned, you know, she she forced him to stop, you know, being just Reek. That was a lot of work on her part, a lot of her yelling at him, a lot of her yeah. pleading with him and, and sort of manipulating him emotionally in different ways to get him to the point where he would be on her side and not on Ramsay's side. So she did spend an entire season turning Theon into an ally. Right. And out of someone who could have just been broken and, you know, she could have felt completely alone, but she saw this as her one opportunity Used him to get information, used him to get I don't know, man. Freed. She didn't
2: even get to Winterfell until like episode six. Like it wasn't the whole season. Right. Fair enough. You know,
1: what was your question? So my question is actually about Jon Snow because we still don't actually know who his father is, you know, and and there's a lot of questions. And, you know, and to me that intrigues me. I feel like, and another reason why he might not be dead, I, I feel like we need to know that information. So I'm wondering if you guys have, like, thought about where he fits sort of, like, in the mix. And And, and there's all sorts of theories. I mean, I know one strong fan theory is that, you know, Snow is actually Targaryen, right? You that's, know? that's the preeminent theory. God, I was we,
2: so scared you didn't know that. Yeah. Jess, and I really <laughs> that didn't was, want to set that, I would, that like, up for yeah. you.
3: <laughs> the, the question of Jon Snow's parentage <laughs> is a central one. I mean, you said we don't know his father is. Well, his father is supposedly Ned Stark, but there's this theory that is very, very popular in the internet, and most people buy it, which is that Jon Snow's. We've talked about this. His real parents are Rhaegar. Who had been the heir to the Targaryen throne, and Ned Snark's sister Lyanna? Therefore, Jon Snark is a Targaryen and a claimant on the throne. Um, and in fact, there is a famous story that's been told many, many times. That when Benioff and Weiss wanted to make the TV show, they went and they had a long, long meeting with George R. Martin. And George Martin looked at them and said, "Okay, who do you think is Jon Snow's mother?" And they laid out the theory, which they have not explained what they said. And George R. Martin said, "Okay." Hmm you can do the show Um, and so there's a question and there is an answer and we don't know what the answer is and it does seem strange that George R. R. Martin himself has invested so much interest and emphasis on that question who are Jon Snow's real parents if
1: not just his real mother and we just kill him off that seems weird Right. Well, I mean that—that's certainly. I mean, w- w- what I think. But I'm wondering, like, what do you guys think as far as this hair? Heri- like, are you guys sold on? The I'm
4: sold on that theory because of the Baelish side eye with Sansa in the crypts at yeah. Winterfell. The huh. my aunt was swept away by this terrible man, and he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah that's what happened." And, and then there Baelish Baelish was knows. The, the, the right
3: before Sir Barristan bought it. He talked about how what a, what a wonderful guy Rhaegar was. Well, why do we need to know that unless mm-hmm. we were to later find out that was. The true line of descent of our hero Jon Snow.
2: Well, and and Tricia, as you mentioned before, too, that whole bit about like, oh yeah, you know, the Targaryens always slept with siblings, mm-hmm. and that ruled as brother then. and sister. Why and did although, we need that
4: exposition? It, although
3: I do want yeah. to point out that actually, technically, that would make Danny Jon's aunt.
2: Oh, that's but true. But I think you know, just that idea of making incest seem okay for the potential outcome of right. Jon being with Danny. And I
3: end. have to say also that if I spend too much time on the internet. Going into these theories and explorations, <laughs> a, a strange thing happens. Uh, my testicles retract and I become 11 again. And so I, <laughs> I really don't want to do that. So I'm very limited as to my exposure to you this.
4: You just earth. reread the books and rewatch yes. the shows. And you yes, buy exactly. that encyclopedia. What was that called that you
5: bought? <laughs> Peter?
3: It's called The World of Ice and Fire, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Anything else before we let people? Oh, we want one more personal. One more. I
5: have a recommendation and a quick question. I sure. guess the question's sort of related to what we were just talking about, so I'll jump in with that first. Do you think there's any possibility, and I'm not sure where I stand on this, Ken Harrington and the producers are really doubling down. He's dead. He's not coming back. But I agree, narratively, that doesn't make sense. Do you think there's any possibility he's out of the show, still in the books? Could he come back in one and not the other?
3: Well, they've done that before. Yeah. Uh, Sir Barriston is still alive and well in marine, and yeah. Mance is still alive and well and running around the north, but that seems like such a major change. Right. I go back to what I said right. is i don 't think the producers do would do yeah. that. Oh. Um, I mean they need a really 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 really, really good reason, right. and uh, i can 't think of one they 've been so loyal to the book so far that why would they make such a major change
4: I
5: agree it 's just something that I thought if it 's right line on there. Um, a recommendation um, if anyone 's interested, is outlander. It's also mm-hmm. based.
4: Oh, <laughs> yep. yeah.
5: Speaking um, of D, so yeah, yeah. I'm lots told. <laughs>
3: Fair bit um, of that.
5: Yeah, lots of that. Also based on an excellent book series. Um, unlike <sighs> a Song of Ice and Fire, it is almost done,
4: <laughs> and it will be done and written by the
5: time the show is over. So that's a plus.
3: You heard last podcast that we all three of us indicated things that you guys might enjoy uh, while you're waiting for the next season of Game of Thrones. Even if you're not waiting for it. Even if you've given up on it. And we will put all those with more detail on our website. So check that out.
4: nerdatpodcast.com for all your nerdy needs between Game of Thrones seasons. And I will
3: also say, because you guys might be too shy, that one thing that could tide you over to the next season of Game of Thrones and the next recap podcast is the Nerdette podcast. Oh. So I understand it's quite Who? good. Who? Two <laughs> smart young ladies here in Chicago <laughs> cover all things nerdy by talking to wonderful, creative, and interesting people. Such as Neil deGrasse Tyson.
4: Yeah, Andy Weir, who created a wonderful protagonist who has no personal growth in *The Martian*. Exactly, that's true. That yeah, people really criticize for that. He just gets smellier. Really?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why? I don't think people will complain in the movie because Matt Damon. Yeah.
3: You don't want him to not be Matt Damon. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, this whole idea of character growth is something we can get into at some other time. That's just when, <laughs> yeah, that's that's Nerdette just sits around and bullshits with Peter Sagal. That's our next podcast.
4: <laughs> maybe we're going to watch movies. Maybe we'll watch another TV show. I'm still uh, trying to convince these two that maybe we should do Doctor Who in the fall. We'll see, everybody. We'll see. We'll, I'm see. A
3: little, we'll see. All I can say, and maybe this is a good place to finish, is I've had so much fun doing this with you guys, and I am grateful that you have lent your Nerdette brand risked diminishing it <laughs> by adding me to this to this mixture. I've had so much fun. This has been great. It's been a joy and I hope we get to do it again soon.
4: It has been our pleasure and a true delight as someone who uh, whose mother would like me to bleep my own curse words but loves hearing yours. Yes. <laughs> oh that's adorable.
3: Oh, speaking I mothers, this is yeah. this is my this is I'm holding it up. This is a microphone. This is my payment for this. Mm-hmm. I was paid yes. in cookies. These are cookies that's from your mother. These are Mary Johnson cookies.
2: Yeah, I mean, I made them, but they're her recipe.
3: And we are calling them, uh, these are Mary Johnson's D cookies. (laughs) D for delicious. Because Mary Johnson, as we all know, loves the D.
0: (laughs) Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen